King David. His is a name that permeates Jewish history and our Christian history as well. After all, Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, is also known as the city of David. Israel covered its greatest extent of land to date during David's monarchy, and it would become even larger when David's son Solomon became king. Jesus, our Messiah, descends from the house of David. Over the next weeks, we will be considering David as a person, a leader, a king, a husband, and yes, even a sinner. We will delve into the open and shadow sides of even the most revered figures of the Bible and how God's grace and mercy extend toward them when they repent of their sin. In today's scripture reading, David is crowned king over all of Israel's territory. Prior to this event, David's stature has been building. We become aware of him in 1 Samuel, when the boy shepherd gains fame as a musician and person of great courage. Historians agree that he probably existed around 1000 BCE, but his rise to power goes back even generations further. A short history lesson. Israel was originally a kingdom with only God as their king. It was God who sent Moses to negotiate their release as slaves in Egypt. It was God who led them safely through the Red Sea. It was God who led them through the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. It was God who gave the Israelites the Torah or law that would take 12 separate tribes and help them live as one people. It was God who provided manna from heaven to feed them as they traveled through the wilderness. And it was God who showed them the promised land, Canaan, flowing with milk and honey. As if to assure that the people would see God and not Moses as their king, God forbade Moses to enter this promised land and Moses could only look at it from the heights of neighboring Mount Nebo, where he died and was buried. As the Israelites entered into this promised land, God motivated Joshua, a fearless military leader, to rise up and lead the people in battle to conquest of the land of Canaan. As they began to settle in this land, God provided judges who would facilitate difficult decisions according to the Torah or law given by God to the people through Moses. The judges always deferred to God as the king. As the nations surrounding Israel increased their numbers and strength of their armies, Israel began to fear for their future and began to cry out for a human king like other nations, someone who would lead them into battle, someone who would negotiate with other nations, someone they could crown 
and honor. So God sends a spokesperson to the people, the prophet Samuel, the very first prophet. He works with Israel through this difficult period of becoming a nation. How to be a nation without a human leader, but a divine one instead. But Samuel's efforts are futile. Through much prayer, he discerns that Saul should become the very first human king of Israel. And so Samuel crowns Saul and continues to be a voice for God as Saul leads the people in battle and as he governs everyday life. But over time, Saul disappoints Samuel. And consequently, Saul disobeys God's divine commands. And Saul becomes more paranoid day by day as he faces inner turmoil as a leader. His servants, seeing the pain their king is experiencing, call on a young man skilled in playing the lyre to come to Saul's side and play and hopefully calm his troubled spirit. Meet David, a young shepherd from Judah, who was also a man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, but also who plays the lyre very well. David plays for Saul, and Saul is deeply touched. Soon thereafter, war breaks out between Israel and the Philistines, and the giant Goliath challenges the Israelites, send out your champion to face me in battle. David, sent by his father to deliver supplies to the Israelite army, responds that he would be willing to go to battle with Goliath. And the rest, well, the rest is history. So impressed is King Saul with David's courage that he makes David the leader of the entire Israelite army. His troops worship his leadership, and they do great things. But Saul is becoming more and more troubled because the people and the army give more kudos to David than they do to him, the king. So Saul plots to kill David, to be rid of this challenge to his authority. Saul's son, Jonathan, hears of his father's plot and goes to tell David, encouraging him to flee for his life. And so David does, going from place to place throughout Judah the southern portion of Israel, acting as a sort of Robin Hood and doing his best to avoid Saul. Eventually, Jonathan catches up with David and tells him that he sees David as the true king rather than his father, no doubt a foreshadowing of what is to come. Over time, Saul does catch up with David but the young warrior pays homage to Saul as king, and Saul welcomes David's subservience and has a change of heart reconciling with David. Now reconciled, the Israelites again go to battle against the Philistines, but in the battle Jonathan is killed, and Saul, seeing that defeat is inevitable, 
falls upon his sword. Saul's son, Ishbael, succeeds his father. But the southern tribes of Judah make David their king rather than Ishbael. Civil war ensues until Ishbael's own staff assassinate him. And David then becomes king of all Israel. Which brings us to today's scripture, when David is crowned as the new king for all of Israel. We will learn more about the significance of David in the weeks ahead. Today, though, we look at history through the eyes of faith. How God works in and through divinely called leaders. How God doesn't necessarily steer history as if we are pawns on a chessboard, but uses the resources already available and acts in human time to ultimately work toward God's will. God's will will be, God will always be faithful to God's chosen people. And as Christians, we are also God's chosen ones to whom God has been, is, and always be faithful. Thanks be to God. Amen.